Hello and Happy New Year to everyone. This is episode 47 of the Sports Wagon Podcast. Thank you for joining me. It is January 1st, 2021. We can check 2020 off of the list. We made it. And now we proceed into a brand new year. Thank you for joining me. It's your man, Uncle Dub. Hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at, at it's Uncle Dub, I T S U N C L E underscore D U B. Um, so for this episode, this is going to be mostly a college football episode because, again, that seems to be the the big focus right now. Today is the college football playoff semifinal game. So we have those two games later on today. We have one game in progress right now, one game that will start at one o'clock. So we'll talk about uh, those games. And then I'm going to spend the second half of the episode going through the ins and outs of the Heisman Trophy race. So the Heisman Trophy candidates were announced on Christmas Eve. And uh, when I last spoke with you, I predicted there would be four candidates. I didn't feel right having three. And we'll go through, you know, their numbers. We'll talk about, you know, the ins and outs. So the pros and the cons of each candidate. And then I'll kind of give you my predicted order finish for the Heisman Trophy race. First, let's talk about the ongoing game. So wanted to get this post and you know, kind of record it a little bit earlier than right now. But nevertheless, the first game of the day has started. That is the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl that pits the Georgia Bulldogs at seven and two against undefeated Cincinnati. So Georgia is ninth ranked in the country. Cincinnati is eighth ranked in the country. Currently games on ESPN. It is 11 minutes in the first quarter. There's currently no score. In this game, I'm going to take Cincinnati to beat Georgia. Again, this game could go either way. You know, both very good teams. Um, you know, Georgia traditionally, you know, traditionally good in in the SEC. Usually, they're they're you know in the hunt. Um, you know, with the shortened COVID season, um, you know, everybody you know, kind of had the odds against them in many ways. And, you know, at seven and two, um, you know, wasn't, you know, a lot of chance for them to get to CFP playoffs. Although, you know, as I've said before, that this is to me one of a couple sports I think we should put an asterisk by, not only because of, you know, the shortened season teams starting at different points in time to begin their season, but, you know, the college football playoff, system, the way that we pick these teams is still, you know, there's still a lot of pieces to it that I'm not crazy about. I'm all for expanding the playoffs to eight teams, and then you can kind of reduce the arguments a little bit. But I think I laid out that plan uh, in another episode. So kind of, you know, if you got a chance, you know, go back through some of the old episodes, kind of take a listen and uh, kind of, you know, get a feel for, you know, kind of some of the ideas I have about the college football playoffs. Um, our second game uh, leading up to the college football semifinals uh, will be the Citrus Bowl. So that will pit Auburn uh, against number 14, Northwestern. I'll take Northwestern. Um, I meant to look up the over-under for this game, but um, nevertheless, I think uh, Northwestern uh, will probably try to hold Auburn, uh, try to make this a game that's going to be you know low scoring, relatively low scoring. So I'll take the Wildcats in that game. All right, so let's talk about the semifinals. So this isn't going to take too long because only two games, you know, you know the four teams by now if you're paying attention to this. Um, the first game at 4 o'clock, that's the Rose Bowl game presented by Capital One. So that is in Arlington, Texas, as opposed to uh, the normal spot, the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, due to, um, I believe that it would be Santa Clara County in California, due to their COVID restrictions, the game was moved 
from uh, the Rose Bowl in Pasadena to Jerry's World in Arlington. So this game will pit number four Notre Dame versus number one Alabama. So these are their seedings in the college football playoffs. Um, Alabama are 19 and a half point favorites. Um, as I look at the stats here, you know, both of these teams, statistically, they're very similar in a lot of ways. For example, Notre Dame only allows 18.6 points a game. Alabama allows 19 and a half points a game. OK, so that kind of tells you a little something about, you know, both teams and their defenses. Um, Notre Dame um, only allows about 335 yards a game. Alabama allows 351.2 yards a game. Now, for Alabama, that shocked me a little bit because, you know, you, you know, you typically look at a Nick Saban defense. They're very, very stout, very disciplined. Man, that's a lot of yards. Um, now, here's the key stat here. The rushing yards. Alabama allows 107 and a half rushing yards while Notre Dame allows 110 and a half. But on the passing side here, there's a slight edge to Alabama. So, again, I think the team that will do the better job of stopping the rush, I think, will kind of uh, win out in this game. Um, I think the edge goes to Alabama in the passing aspect. I mean, no disrespect to Ian Book. Ian Book is an outstanding quarterback. Uh, he's got some great targets, um, including their tight end. Their tight end uh, for Notre Dame, He's he's been one of their key targets all season. Um, in this one, I'm going to take the Tide by 20. I mean, I, I hate to say it. I mean, we, we've seen this before. And with Notre Dame, they get they get elite athletes every year. But it's something about their speed versus Alabama speed, that SEC speed, speed kills. <laughs> and that SEC speed every time seems to be a problem. Now, here's the thing. If Notre Dame can contain that speed, if they can, you know, do some things to disrupt um, that Alabama pace, then we might have a game on our hands. But I, I have a feeling Alabama is going to strike early, and I think they're going to strike often this one. I'll take Alabama to advance to the national championship game. Um, tonight at 8 o'clock, so following the Rose Bowl game, tonight at 8 o'clock from the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans, it's the All-State Sugar Bowl. That will pit number three, Ohio State, versus number two, Clemson. Clemson is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. I mean, I think this will probably be the better game. Um, I think Clemson, again, has the edge here. I like Clemson in this game by 10. So I'm going to kind of have Alabama number one and Clemson number two playing in the national championship game. So that's kind of where I see this going. So, um, so the national championship game will be on the – uh, 11th of January. So it'll be a week after the Heisman Trophy winner. The Heisman Trophy is handed out. So that'll be in Miami, Hard Rock Stadium, eight o'clock. So we say eight o'clock, the game probably will kick off till about 820 or some some ridiculous number like that. So with all that's going on, the game will be on half the freaking night. By the time we know, or by the time they crown national champion, it'll be somewhere around midnight. Um, so in that, like I said, I have Clemson and Alabama playing each other. So again, we'll see how this all pans out. And then we'll talk about the semifinal games. We'll talk about the lead up into the national championship game and all the good stuff as it moves forward. All right. So let's uh, shift gears here 
and let's look at the overview of the 2020 Heisman Trophy. So as we said, the Heisman Trophy will be handed out on January 4th. So it'll be a virtual uh, a virtual ceremony um, that will, I'm sorry, January 5th. Anyway, I thought it was the 4th. Anyway, January 5th. So that'd be virtual on ESPN. So your candidates. So we have four candidates. So we'll talk through all their stats first. We'll take a break. We'll talk some pros and cons. And then I'll kind of give you my rankings, how I think they'll fall here. Um, your candidates. Number one, first candidate is Mac Jones. So he's a redshirt quarterback, junior redshirt junior quarterback from Alabama. This is his first season as a starter. So he has an 11-0 record. Um, his accolades this season, he is first team all SEC. He is also the SEC Scholar Athlete of the Year. So he earned his degree in business communications last December. He is currently earning a master's in sports hospitality. He should be uh, that should be awarded now. So he's already received that degree. So he has two degrees currently. So his business, his bachelor's and his master's. Um, read an interesting article about Matt Jones on uh, ESPN.com talking about his rise into the, the starters position. And he played quarterback on the scout team. <laughs> and people, you know, his teammates talk about his personality, how he's the jokester. You know, he's he's serious, but he's kind of, that guy who's, you know, making people laugh and doing crazy stuff. And, and, you know, he just has that type of personality. But one of the things they pointed out was as the quarterback of the scout team, he, you know, they call a specific play to be run against Nick Saban's defense because this is for them to, you know, practice what a particular team will look like to get them ready for a game. And I think on a few occasions, um, Jones would, um, I think he either changed the play or he would go in the huddle and say, well, you know, we're going to run this instead. So he would change up the play and he would create a play that would catch the defense off guard and the scout team offense would score a touchdown. Mind you, Nick Saban didn't like this very much. And he has drawn the ire of his head coach on a number of occasions as the uh, scout team quarterback. And I think, in the article, I remember reading that there's a couple of occasions where after it happens, you know, you know, he's getting chewed out by you know, Coach Saban and he walks back to the huddle with a big grin on his face like, hey, you know, I did it. Let, let's move on. So, you know, he seems like he's, you know, a, a cool customer. Um, he's had quite a season. His stats, he's 250 for 327. His completion rate is 76 and a half percent, which makes him first in the nation in completion percentage. He has the best passer rating in the country at 202.3. Um, he's thrown for 3,739 yards. That makes him second in the country. He's thrown for 32 touchdowns. That ties him for third in the nation against four interceptions. Now, what also we add to these uh, these numbers is he's um, established a school record where he's had four games this season where he's thrown for 400 or more yards. And he's had six games where he threw for four or more touchdowns. So quite an impressive resume for a first year starter. And, and again, when you put a guy like that, who kind of, I don't say came out of nowhere, but, you know, he rose to the ranks and earned the position. Then you look at a situation where he's running a Steve Sarkeesian led offense. So, I mean, you know, Steve Sarkeesian has kind of made it easy for him to, you know, slide into this position. You know, he goes to the reps, he gets to practice, but he seems like this is just natural and he's had a very good season. 
um, numbers wise. And of course, they are Alabama's the number one team uh, in college football uh, playoff rankings. Uh, your second candidate, Trevor Lawrence. So a junior quarterback from Clemson. Um, he is nine and oh this season for his career. He is 38 and one. So he's only lost one game. That was the national championship game last year against LSU. Now this is, uh, his record since he became a starter midway through his freshman year. This year, he is the, uh, the ACC offensive player of the year. And he becomes the first ACC quarterback to win three straight conference titles. So, Clemson played 11 games or 11 and 0. If you remember, uh, Trevor Lawrence missed two games this season due to COVID. Um, his his uh, his numbers, uh, 198 for 286. So his completion rating is uh, his completion rate rather is 69.2 percent. Uh, his passer rating is 172.7. So that makes him seventh in the nation. Uh, he's thrown for 2,753 yards, 22 touchdowns against four interceptions. And one thing that people underestimate, Lawrence is a very good runner. So he has 211 rushing yards against seven touchdowns. So again, um, one thing that, you know, teams tend to try to do or they when they get to him, if the pocket breaks down, if you watch Clemson play and many times, you know, if he gets that, you know, he doesn't get the read he wants. But if the offensive line forms kind of this cone where the A gap is wide open, Trevor Lawrence will take off straight up the A gap. Either he'll slide for, you know, first down, slide for, you know, to drop uh, down the ball, or he'll just take off. So he has the ability to get away when necessary. So again, that I think plays well towards, you know, the type of quarterback he is and the type of uh, team and the type of things that Clemson likes to do. Uh, our third our third candidate, Devonta Smith, senior wide receiver from Alabama. So here we have two Alabama uh, players who are Heisman Trophy candidates. Um, Devonta Smith is the 2020 SEC Offensive Player of the Year. So as a wide receiver, he has 98 receptions. That is the most in the FBS. He's caught 1,115 yards or gone for 1,115 yards. He's caught 17 touchdowns, so he averages about 137.4 yards per game. So his reception rate, he averages about nine, 8.9, nine receptions per game, and he has one punt return for a touchdown. Again, you know, punting and kicking, that's kind of one of those things that you don't see uh, as often uh, in college football. And it, I just feel like it takes away from the excitement of the game, in, in my opinion. Um, lastly, Kyle Trask, he is a redshirt senior from Florida quarterback. He led the nation in the following yards passing per game. So he averaged 375 yards passing per game. He finished the season already. He, he's the only one of the four candidates who's currently played. So he played in the Cotton Bowl against Oklahoma. They lost Florida lost 55 to 20. The numbers weren't great. He was 16 for 28 through 458 yards and through and through three picks. So uh, Trask has already declared for the NFL draft, but um, his passing yard total finishes at 4,283 for the season, 43 touchdowns, 285 completions, passer rating of 186.65, which makes which makes him fifth in the nation. His completion rate, 69.7 percent, makes him ninth in the nation. Um, so. Some some nice uh, history here. He threw for four plus touchdowns in the first six games of the season. That is the 
first time that has happened in SEC history. And that is the and that's the fourth FBS. He's the fourth SBF FBS quarterback to have done that since 1996. So, again, he's had some some really so between Trask and um, Matt Jones, they have had some some interesting um, you know, statistics uh, with the things that they've accomplished uh, in these games uh, this season here. All right. So before we take a break, let me go through. So those are your top four candidates. I'm going to go through the five through 10 in the Heisman voting here. Um, so from from the from five to 10 down, Najee Harris running back from Alabama uh, finished fifth in the Heisman vetting rather. Um, number six is Brees Hall from Iowa State running back. Uh, Justin Fields finished seventh, uh, the, the Ohio State quarterback. Uh, eighth was Zach Wilson from BYU quarterback. Uh, ninth was Ian Books, the Notre Dame quarterback. And 10th is Kyle Pitts, the, the tight end from Florida. So when we come back, we'll talk through kind of the pros and cons of, you know, what what each candidate brings to the table. And then I'll rank my top four who I think will win it. So I'll give you four through one and we'll wrap up our first show of 2021. Stay tuned. All right. Welcome back. So before we begin looking just at some of the pieces of uh, the resume, some of the things that these uh, Heisman Trophy candidates present, let me go and preface this discussion, because, again, I've you know said this, but I think it goes I think it's worth mentioning again that the Heisman Trophy, it is meant to honor the best player in college football. And I believe it even says it on the trophy. But the thing that I think has been lost, because in trying to think about who can win, who's going to win this, you look at the candidates. As you look at the candidates, three of them are in the college football playoffs. One of them is not. Okay, fine. But then when you look at the three who are in the college football playoffs, you look at their records. And you say to yourself, okay, like what happened? I mean, I, maybe this has been happening for longer than I realize. But when you think about the best player, you don't necessarily or you should not necessarily be concerned or think about team performance. Okay, so what if you have a player who's just killing it? Now, would it make sense that this player is killing it and is on a not so good team? It happens. But with that said, if this player statistically is doing you know a lot of damage on the field if this player exemplifies the best that college football has to offer it should not matter team and also it should not matter position in other words only one defensive player has won it so why hasn't and i don't again like i said these are just thoughts i'm having i don't know what kinds of discussions they're having you know, in Heisman Trust meetings, I don't know if Heisman Trophy voters, you know, media members, current, you know, former winners who vote, you know, do they have these conversations among themselves? You know, are they vetting the best players? In other words, you know, if you look at five through 10, you've got Ian Book, who is in the college football playoff. You've got a BYU quarterback that I think BYU only lost two games a season. I know one for sure. I think they lost one game this season. Justin Fields. So they're in the college football playoffs. Then you've got uh, Najee Harris. You've got Brees Hall. You've got Kyle Pitts. So, you know, again, these are excellent players in their own right. But, you know, are we neglecting another piece of 
you know, the FBS? Are we neglecting other players? Are, you know, are we failing to recognize players who are on the other side of the football or are we failing to recognize offensive linemen? Again, who's to say? I mean, there's so many people that uh, so many players that get considered for this award and, you know, it has to be whittled down. Maybe they were. I don't know. I don't know what the official list is. I mean, I'm sure I'm pretty sure the Heisman Trust puts out a whole extended list of, you know, who who's on the Heisman watch list. And then that list gets narrowed down. But, you know, sometimes I really feel like it really boils down to who gets the most TV time, who's on the best team, because there have been players who won it, whose teams were losing teams or teams that, okay, here's a team that's seven, four. They went to the blah, blah, blah bowl. The guy had a great game. He he was consistent all season and won the Heisman Trophy. But again, you know, my, my concern is, are we really looking at the vast number of players? You know, so, you know, so many players in FBS, only so many can, you know, stand out. And then we say, you know, no matter what position they play, do they exemplify the, you know, what the Heisman Trophy means? That's the big thing. And then, of course, are they truly the best player? What are they doing on the field that sets them apart from, you know, if they're an offensive lineman, if they're a defensive lineman or linebacker or a tight end, are they doing things that sets them apart from other people in their position? And then are they doing things that puts them in the top tier of the players in the country? So with all that said, you know, I think that needs to be, you know, that there needs to be a rethinking of that. But with that said, you know, we have, you know, according to, you know, the Heisman Trust and the voters, you know, we have the four best players and we kind of have to and I have to kind of take into account that, you know, as I said, three of these players will be playing today in the uh, in, in the college football playoffs. So because of that, I feel like that best team or the team that has a great record, I have a feeling that maybe not outwardly, but in a small way that is being considered. So I'll leave that there. We'll put a pen in that, come back to it as we kind of walk through these candidates and what they've accomplished. So let's start with Mac Jones here. So a couple of things I noticed here. So in 11 games, Mac Jones in nine of those games, he had a completion rate above 70%. Um, and in to nine of those games, he also threw at least a touchdown. So he had two games where he didn't throw a touchdown pass. So that was against Arkansas, Tennessee, and against Kentucky and Auburn and the Iron Bowl. I mean, that's that's crazy that in the game against their chief rival, he really his his completion rate was not above 70%. Because as we mentioned, his completion rating for the season is 76.5%. So he was well below that completion rate in those two games. Um, for Trevor Lawrence, the thing that stands out to me is, you know, first of all, the team and the number of games that were off to a slow start. So again, the Virginia Tech game, the Boston College game, although to be fair, the Boston College game, uh, Trevor Lawrence didn't play. That's one of the games he missed due to COVID and he missed the Notre Dame, the first Notre Dame game. Um, but again, against Virginia Tech, you know, you if you remember, you saw the score and go, wait, what's happening here? Virginia Tech's winning against Clemson. What's going on? You know, um, but for Trevor Lawrence, he had at least one game where he had he at least had one touchdown per game um, touchdown pass. He had five against Georgia Tech. Now, the 
flip side to that, not to say that this is anything against him, but uh, his streak of games with no interceptions was broken in that game. So Georgia Tech defense got on him. They managed to pick him off. Um, I think he had only had one INT in that game. Um, now, in comparison to, say, someone like Mac Jones, his completion rate and passer rating, okay, not spectacular, but pretty good, okay? Um, now, if he, we also remember that he missed two games. So he's averaging what, uh, with the nine games he played, he's averaging two touchdowns a game and about 306 yards per game. If he didn't miss those two games, he played all 11 games a season, the numbers would look about the same. In other words, he would have probably gained roughly about another, what I, I well, his, his totals would have looked like 26 touchdowns, give or take, and about 3,365 yards. That's just on average, kind of looking at the averages of touchdowns and yards if he didn't miss those two games. So, Will the two games missed, will that hurt him? We'll talk about it in a moment. Uh, for Devonta Smith, he had that one rush touchdown. I think that kind of that kind of is another little feather in his cap that, you know, he not only catches passes, he not only returns punts and kicks, but he had a rush touchdown. But again, if he had more rush touchdowns, so if he was a consistent threat in that area, I think that could kind of push him towards the, the the trophy um we said that um he had uh eight returns for 199 yards and one punt touchdown um let me double check yeah yeah one that yeah, one punt to punt return but again kick returns um and in in college football these days is very rare they do happen but you don't see them as much nine times out of ten what happens the ball gets kicked out of the end zone or the ball's five yards deep in the end zone somebody takes a knee and, you know, we start, you know, from the 20-yard line. Uh, Kyle Trask, his numbers overall are amazing, okay? He's set a number of records. But, again, much like Trevor Lawrence, the passer rating and the completion rating are, eh, you know, it's okay. It's not gaudy, but it's good enough considering, you know, he leads the nation in so many of these categories. And, of course, the throwing the four touchdowns in the first six games. So for Trask, because he's a Florida guy, he gets the opportunity if he wins to join, you know, a very, you know, uh, elite company. You know, you think about all the quarterbacks that have won um, Heisman trophies at Florida. So Spurrier and Werfel and all those guys. So he gets to kind of join that little uh, quarterback fraternity at Florida. Um, So let's look at the rankings here. So here's how I'm thinking this is going to go down. So from we'll go from four to one here. So uh, finishing fourth, I think, will be Devonta Smith. So the thing about a wide receiver winning the Heisman Trophy. So we haven't had a wide receiver win the Heisman Trophy since 1991, and that was Desmond Howard. So let's look at Desmond Howard's numbers. So he had 61 receptions, 19 touchdowns, 960 yards. Okay, not bad. But let's look at his other numbers. He had 12 rushes, 165 yards, and two touchdowns. Okay, Good. So again, Devonta Smith kind of has that going for him. He's got a rush touchdown. Now, let's couple some other pieces. What you remember about Desmond Howard is he was quite a lethal returner. He had one punt return for 15, a 15.3 yard average. He had one kick return 
for a 31 yard average. So he was definitely a potent player catching the ball, running the ball and returning the ball. So he was that triple threat. Plus the other thing about being a wide receiver and winning the Heisman trophy is kind of having that quarterback wide receiver effect. So the idea here is because Devonta Smith is also a candidate with his quarterback, I have a bad feeling the effect of what Mac Jones has done might cancel him out. Okay. So if you think back to Desmond Howard again, who was his quarterback? His quarterback was Elvis Gerback. I mean, I could have just said, who was it? And of course, you'll go to the Googles, but whatever, I'll tell you. Elvis Gerback. Elvis Gerback, his numbers, he threw for 2,085 yards, 25 touchdowns, six interceptions. Great numbers. Okay. Um, but Howard made the most of every opportunity by having 19 touchdowns, rushing for two touchdowns, and having a number of kick and punt returns. So, But even when he didn't return the ball, look at those numbers. He averaged 15.3 yards per punt return and averaged 31 yards per kick return. That in and of itself, I think, shifts the balance more away towards him. His quarterback had great numbers, weren't gaudy numbers, but I think because of what Jones is doing on the field, I think it kind of cancels out his candidacy. Um, because again, I read you his stats and the stats are pretty darn good. Um, so I think for a wide receiver to win the Heisman trophy, it has to be more than about catching balls. They have to be kind of that Swiss army knife. They have to catch the ball. They got to rush the ball, rush with some consistency. They've got to have kick returns. I mean, we're talking about somebody who can be fluid on both sides of the ball. If you, you know, if you're back there returning punts, you've got to make the most of the opportunity. You've got to get chunks of yards every time. You don't have to score every time, but if you come out with a 15, 16, 20 yard average and you're holding it across the season, you're catching touchdowns and maybe you get a kick return here and there, you might be able to set yourself apart from everybody else. I think Devonta Smith will finish fourth in this. Third, I think Trevor Lawrence will finish third. Um, his passer rating, seventh, plus he missed those two games. Now, again, as I said, if he didn't miss those two games, his numbers would still, let's see, I said he had what? If he didn't miss those two games, he would have 3,365 yards. I think in comparison to uh, Matt Jones, he would still be behind Jones. He would still be behind Trask. So from a yardage standpoint, he would still be third from a yardage standpoint amongst the quarterbacks. Um, him and Trask, their passer ratings are okay. I mean, again, good passer ratings, not fantastic. But again, I, I still think those two games could have made the difference. That that could have you know propelled him a little bit higher and possibly win this thing. Um, number two, so we're down to our last two. In the two spot, I have Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask, as I mentioned, great numbers. But again, the passer rating, the completion rating are okay. Again, fifth. But again, I think when you look at somebody like Mac Jones, who has the stats, um, and plus kind of back to my opening comments, that number one team effect from the voters, I think that kind of pushes them. And, and, I don't, and I don't like saying that. I don't like that effect of, well, he plays for the number one team in the country. He's a quarterback. He has gaudy stats. That's the guy. That's how I think this is going to play out. Again, um, I did a Twitter poll um, the other day, actually yesterday, and currently 
it's about 50-50 right now. So I got 50% saying Trevor Lawrence will win, 50% saying Devonta Smith will win. So the poll will be up for a couple more days. So if you have an opportunity, vote. So if you want to find the poll, it's under hashtag Sportswagon Podcast. So go vote. Let me know what you think. So right now, uh, the guy I have finishing third and fourth are actually tied in this poll. So uh, go find the poll, vote. Let me tell me what you think. And we'll kind of go through your thoughts um, as we uh, get closer to the awarding of the Heisman Trophy in a few days. Um, And then I'm also trying to figure out what the effect of these games today will have. I don't know. I have a feeling the vote should have been in already. Um, It would be nice if today's games played an impact on it, but I kind of have a feeling that most folks probably, if they voted, they probably already know they've already voted and know who they want to vote for. But it'd be cool if these games could have an impact on that vote. Would they have enough time to watch today's games and go, okay, I know who I want, send in their send in their ballot and have that count. But again, I don't know what the due date is. I didn't look it up, but we'll see. Um, I'll actually do some research after this to see will the voters still have today's games to kind of make up their mind about, you know, who they feel is the best player. Like I said, Trask is done. He's already played. You know, I don't know. I don't think his one terrible game is really going to really affect him that much, but I have him finishing second and I had Mac Jones winning this. Um, so as we said, the award ceremony is January 5th on ESPN. It'll be a virtual Heisman trophy awarding for 2020 due to COVID. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me on this first episode of the first day of the new year. Um, got a lot of things that I'm trying to, um, you know, to change up and do, do a little differently for this season. So um, hopefully you'll ride with me. You'll stay tuned and, uh, you know, keep listening. Um, please subscribe. Please rate, um, you know, send me a voicemail. So I'm on anchor, but I push out to, you know, just about all the major podcast um, carriers, Apple, Google, uh, breaker, so on and so forth. So, you know, give me a shout out on Twitter. Um, give me a shout out on Instagram. Um, I'll put my information in the show notes. Um, um, and kind of to leave, leave you with a thought here, kind of not sport related, but more from a, you know, we're going to be dealing with COVID for a while now. And I'm hoping in the next episode or two, I'll be kind of dealing more with the effect of COVID and sports as we move forward into 2021. But because we've turned the clock onto a new year, uh, we start 2021 the same way we ended 2020. So with that, I ask you to stay vigilant. Um, You know, it's easy to be like, well, it's a new year. You know, um, you know, we kind of change some things, but, you know, the virus is still out there. You know, do all you can to protect yourself, your families, Um, you know, stay vigilant. You know, the vaccine is here, but it's not going to really be. The, the the it's not gonna solve all our problems right away you know we're, we got a long way to go for this before this passes and you know i wish for all of you to uh, continue to be in good health um to you know remember that you know it takes each one of us to do the right thing in order for us to get past this because a lot of lives have been lost needlessly to this 
And if we want to get back to going to concerts or going to sporting events or, you know, being able to see family much more readily, you know, we have to continue to do the right thing, do the right thing, not just for yourself, but for your neighbors, for your friends, for your coworkers. And with that, I leave you for today. I hope you have a great first day of the new year and I will be at you again very soon. Thank you.